I want you to turn in your Bibles quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. 16, 13. Hallelujah. We've already been here for a while. Praise God. But that's all right. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. And I want to preach to you tonight a message called God Uses People. Everybody say, God, God uses, uses people. people. That would be you. Hallelujah. And me. Hallelujah. And I just want you to know, just right off the start, start that I'm, I, I'm one of the fivefold offices. I'm an evangelist. The Bible said he gave apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so part of my job is to get people saved. Part of my job is to get people healed. But part of my job is to teach people how to get people saved and teach people how to get people healed. Come on now. You say, so well, I believe my office is more like any other office in the other fivefold offices because what does an evangelist do? We get people saved, we get people healed, we get people excited about coming to church. What do Christians do? Christians get people saved, Christians get people healed, and Christians get people excited about coming to church. So my office, even though it might look like it's some grand office, my office is pr pretty much just like yours in the sense that we're all called to do the work of the evangelist. Hallelujah. We may not all have big mouths like me. Hallelujah. You might not have a microphone in your hand, but we're all called to do the work of the evangelist. We're all called to touch somebody in whatever way God... Come on now. So you just didn't need to know that. You say, well, you know, I don't have a big mouth. That's all right. You don't have to have a big mouth. You just got to be willing to be used by God because he can use your squeak. Hallelujah. Or he can use your little nice little soft word. And there's been many people wonder Jesus by just a soft, soft touch. Amen. Praise God. But I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. And here's what the word of God says. It says this in the King James. It says this. It says, watch it. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. The New King James says, Watch it. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave and be strong. But I like what the Phillips translation says. And you might want to listen to it this way. It says, Watch it. Turn to somebody and say, Watch it. Stand firm and stand fast in your faith. Quit acting like ordinary men and be strong. Let me say that again. The Phillips translation says, Watch it. Stand firm and stand fast in your faith. Quit, quit acting like ordinary man and be strong. Turn to somebody and say, Stop acting like an ordinary person. Now see, you need to know tonight, if you are born again tonight, if you are born again, if you ask Jesus to come into your heart and live inside of you, you are anything but ordinary. Now if you don't know Jesus, you're just like everybody else. In this world, and and if you don't know Jesus before you leave tonight, I'm gonna to believe God that there'll be you'll have an encounter with Him. Hallelujah! You might have come here without Jesus, but you can leave with Jesus. Hallelujah! You don't have to leave here empty. You don't have to leave here in a vacuum. You don't have to leave here without power. But tonight, if you don't know Jesus, you can leave here with the power of Jesus in your life. Amen. However, if you are saved, and if you do know Jesus, you might drive an ordinary car. You might live in an ordinary house. Or let me say, you might drive a car that is somewhat like somebody else's. You might drive down the road. You see somebody else driving a car that's similar to yours. 
Yours might be uh, a little different because it has a scratch here or there, or or you know has you know a, a better tape deck or a CD or what player. But it's basically the same. Come on now. You may go to the restaurant and eat basically the same food. You may live on the street with a whole bunch of believe unbelievers and live in basically the same house. We basically wear the same clothes as unbelievers. But you need to know this, that if you are born again by the power of God, you are not an ordinary person. And I'm here to tell you it's about time believers uh, like you and me stop acting like the world. Stop acting like we're losers. Stop acting like we're failures. Stop acting like we're hopeless. Stop acting like we have no power. we got to stand up and stop acting like Paul the Apostle said. He said, stop. Quit it. Stop acting like ordinary men and be strong. Turn to somebody and say, be strong. I mean, you got to just get an attitude. I'm not talking about an arrogant attitude. I'm not talking about a, a cocky attitude. I'm not talking about a know-it-all attitude. But you got to have an attitude on the inside that you know that there's somebody who lives on the inside of you because we have a treasure in earth and vessel Christ in us, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Come on now. Do you know it? I was going to say this for tomorrow morning, but I'm going to start. I think this is a good way to start. I'll just continue tomorrow morning with this. But when I and I shared this at the Dodds house, but you know, when I was a, a little kid, about seven years old, I went to church and there was a big mama who came and preached once in a while. Now, thank God for women preachers. Come on, in this church, you better thank God for women preachers. Amen. Women should have just shouted louder. Amen. I said, thank God for women preachers. Yeah. See, when I was a kid, that was a big deal. Because, I mean, you know, there was a big fight over, you know, whether God could use women. But, you know, sometimes the best man for the job is a woman. And so this big mama came. Now, thank God we have nice, dignified, you know, women preachers like Pastor Brownie now. Uh, but, but back then, I mean, women preachers, they, they preach well, but sometimes they preach like men. Back then, I'm talking about, thank God we got women that know how to preach like women. Come on now. And know their anointing. But back then, when I was a kid, this mama, she'd get up there and she Chester girdle. And I had no clue what this was all about until after I got married, but she would do this once in a while. And uh, I <laughs> praise God. But she could preach. I mean, this mama, she'd preach. I mean, we'd start off with one service and we'd go two, three weeks. And, you know, I'm, I'm, as a boy, I remember what I was to, to do. I was to come home from school and I went right to bed. And uh, after I slept for a while, I'd get up for dinner. And we'd go to church, and we'd be there till nine, ten, eleven, twelve, one, two, whatever. And then when we got home, we'd go to bed, and I'd get up the next morning. I went to church every night, every night of the week. Praise God! And it didn't affect me. Affect me. Affect me. Affect me. <laughs> praise God! It it affected me. Hallelujah! Praise. I, I guess it's affected me, man. Look at you. I'm here tonight. Praise God. Sometimes I slept under the pews, over the pews. I cut my teeth on the back of the pew. Come on, on the hymn books. Come on now. But I was there. Hallelujah. Well, this mama, she'd get up there, and she, she'd preach, and she could preach, man. And so she, one day, uh, she got up behind, and she's a big mama now. You've got to understand. So she pulls back the, the uh, stool from the big back Hammond B-52 bomber. How many remember those years ago? And she gets in there like this. Now, it takes her a while to get in because she's, you know, big. And so she's like adjusting everything, trying to, you know, get everything right. But she got down there. Now, back then, you didn't just sing a song once. 
I mean, if the Holy Ghost got on a song, you sang it once, you sang it twice, you sang it 50 times, you sang it 100 times, you sang it 120 times, you sang it for three hours. As long as the anointing was getting stronger, come on now, I'm in the power of God is coming down. You just sang it. Come on now. I had a friend who said, that song wasn't hard to learn after we sang it 87 times. <laughs> well, she got behind the keyboards. Uh, you know, what we know is an organelle. But she got behind and she started saying, Something within me got a hold of the reins. Something within me it vanquishes pain. Something within me I can't explain. Singing, oh, but I know. 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 Oh, but I know I got something. Something within. And we say once and twice and a hundred times. And I buy, you know, I'm seven years old, but I'm like, something within me. Got a hold of the ring. Something within me. I'm in school the next morning. I mean, I don't know whether it's kindergarten or whether it was, you know, grade one. But I remember walking down the hall like this, and I'm just walking around. Something within me got a hold of the reins. And I got a revelation that there is a power of God that can come and touch your life and get on the inside of you. Hallelujah. And when he's on the inside, hallelujah, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, hallelujah. Woo! I got a revelation way back then. So I asked people now, I asked people, I said, people, I'll preach, I said, people, why did Jesus do what he did? People say, because he was the son of God. I said, how did Jesus do what he did? And they say, because he was the son of God. And I say, wrong! Because Jesus, and I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Because Jesus gave us a clue. How many want a clue as to what Jesus did? Because I believe Jesus is our example. Now if Jesus actually said we could do works, great works for him. If Jesus actually said that we could lay hands on the sick. If Jesus say, actually said that we could touch people's lives, and if he had any special, if he had any special connection, or if he had any unfair advantage, then how could he really be our example in that area? Are you listening to me? I want to say a couple of things that might bug you or grind you the wrong way, but I'm going to challenge you to study the Bible out, see whether it's true. Because Jesus did not do what he did because he was the Son of God. He did what he did because he, he was anointed. Everybody say anointed. And you can be anointed too. And you can be just not just a little dab anointed, but you can be anointed like Jesus was with the burden lifting, yoke destroying power of God. Amen. So in Acts 2 verse 22, it says this. It says, it says, uh, it says hear ye, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth, a man. Approved of God by signs and wonders and miracles. Everybody say signs, wonders, miracles. That sounds good saying that in this house. Signs, wonders, miracles. 
How many want to see some signs, some wonders, and some miracles? How many believe he's able to do it tonight? What is Acts chapter 2, verse 22? It says, Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man. Uh oh, I thought Jesus was a God. See, I want you to know, see, I'm, I want to just take you down. You're going to walk with me for a moment. Just walk with me. Let me work this out for a moment with you so that we can get to where we need to go. But you need to know that when Jesus was on this earth, lifting up those who were bowed down, healing the sick, touching lives, working miracles, and then he turned to his disciples and said, you can do greater works. Either Jesus was a blithering idiot, which none of us believe he was, or then what he must have said, what he said must have been true. And if he said we're able to do greater works, then I want to know how I'm able to do greater works. And if Jesus had an unfair advantage, then I want to know how come he said that we could do greater works if he had an unfair advantage. So Jesus didn't do what he did as a God. The Bible says Jesus of Nazareth. It doesn't say Jesus of heaven. It says Jesus of Nazareth. It says Jesus of Nazareth. That's like saying, you know, John, uh, Pastor John of Lloyd Minister. Come on now. Come on, that's like, you know, whatever your name. We could just put your name in there. We could just put your name in there. It says, Jesus of Nazareth, a man. It doesn't say, Jesus of heaven, a God. It says, Jesus of Nazareth, a man. And I, I preach this, and I had one preacher come up to me and get mad right in my face. He said, you're trying to bring Jesus down. I said, no, I'm not trying to bring Jesus down. I'm just trying to show you how far down he came. He left his splendor and glory. He who was rich, the Bible says, for our sake became poor so that we could become rich. He left his splendor and glory and he came down and he came and he was born through the, the womb, uh, through blood and water, was born in a little manger, hallelujah. And when he, he was not born standing up, he was born standing up, talking back. Elvis might have been stand, born standing up and talking back, but Jesus wasn't. He was in a manger. He had to learn how to walk. I don't know what the equivalent to gagagugu was in Hebrew, but he said it. And he soiled his diapers and he sucked from the breast of his mother Mary. And he was every bit a man or every bit human. Now that bothers some religious people. But if you don't understand that that's how human he came, became, because if he was, if he was not human without sin, he could not have paid your price on the cross of Calvary for your sin. But to take it a little bit further, if he was not human when he walked on this earth doing signs and wonders and miracles, he could not truly be our example of how to do signs and wonders and miracles. So I'm here to tell you, I'm just going to tell you right now. I want to tell you right now. I want to just hear where I'm going right now. You want to hear where I'm going? How many want to know where I'm going? We are going right here. I'm here to tell you it is your, if you are born again, it is your God-given gift to get somebody saved. It is your God-given right to get somebody healed because the Word of God says that greater work shall you do because Jesus has gone to the Father. Some of you look at me and say, well, that's your job, preacher. No, everybody can do it. The Bible says, these signs shall follow the preacher. Yeah. 
These signs shall follow the evangelist. These signs shall follow only the evangelist with the perma-pressed hair and the patent leather shoes and the shiny tooth. No. It says these signs shall follow them that these signs shall follow them that believe they shall lay hands on the and they shall hallelujah so I'm here to tell you if Jesus came down and set an example as a man he was approved of God by what? signs wonders miracles let's say it again signs wonders miracles hallelujah I believe this is a church approved by God by signs and Wonders and miracles. Hallelujah. I believe your pastors are approved of God by signs and wonders and miracles. Hallelujah. I believe your hands can be approved by God by signs and wonders and miracles. You say, well, I'm, I'm just a man. Well, you may be just a man, and we say that generically, but you're not just an ordinary man. Because how many know Jesus was a man, but he wasn't an ordinary man. He was anointed by God. Come on, somebody get excited about this. And he, and he, got, he told us how he did what he did. It says in Acts 10 verse 38, well, it's, it says in Acts 10 38, it said how, you know, how Jesus went about doing good, healing all his sick and oppressed of the evil one because God was with him. I used to quote that wrong for years, Brother Jonathan. I used to quote that wrong. I used to say this, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power went about doing it good, healing all the sick and oppressed of the evil one. And I quoted it for years like that, and one day God says, say it again. And I said, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power went about doing good, healing all the sick and oppressed of the evil one because God was with him. And God said, you got it wrong. Say it again. I said, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth. God said, stop. Read it from the Bible. It said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good, healing all who were sick and oppressed. I had put the Christ in there. Now I want you to, I want you to know this is going to blow your mind a little bit to try and figure this out, but just follow me because before Jesus was anointed, he was not the Christ. But we know that when he was born, he was called the Christ. So whenever Jesus did and you know whenever God anointed him eons before the foundations of time whenever God anointed Jesus that's when he became the Christ hallelujah and that's when he had the anointing which is the burden lifting yoke destroying power of God on him to go about doing good healing all who were sick and oppressed of the evil one hallelujah and God approved him by signs and wonders and say it one more time signs and wonders and miracles. Hallelujah. Guess what? The very same way Jesus got his power is the same way you can get yours. No secret here. Because Jesus gets up in his first message and he says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, Luke chapter 4, is upon me. What did he say? He said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has what? He has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind. What was his message? It was poor. You don't have to be poor anymore. Sick. You don't have to be sick anymore. Brokenhearted. You don't have to be brokenhearted anymore. And Jesus got up and began to preach it. But before he preached it with his mouth, he told everybody how he's going to do it. He said, God, 
has anointed me. That's why, like never before, we need to understand the anointing of God upon our lives. Somebody say the anointing. We need to understand that the same anointing that was available for Jesus is available for us. Hallelujah. And you too can be anointed. I don't care whether you're the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. I don't care who you are, where you come from. If you are born again, that anointing, the same anointing, the same power is available for you. Hallelujah. Because if the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it shall quicken your mortal body. And it's not by might and it's not by power power but it's by my spirit saith the Lord hallelujah so Jesus said he said he said he said I'm anointed he said it came from heaven he said and the word of God says Jesus of Nazareth a man approved of God by signs and wonders and miracles I know years ago we used to sing songs like we want to be like Jesus and still we have some songs like that now but when you talk about being like Jesus everybody's trying to you know they're trying to be like Jesus with love and try to be like Jesus with peace and try to be like Jesus with forgiveness and how many know that's all good but how many know you could be like Jesus in power and in demonstration come on now amen Hallelujah. And so the Bible says God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. I remember one time I was preaching on the anointing in a town up in northern Ontario. And the pastor didn't even really have the guts to call a meeting. The pastor just called me up and said, I'd like to have a revival service here, but I really don't have the money, but, and I really don't want to put out my faith. But, you know, I, that's basically what, she, what, what they said was this. I really don't, you know, I can't, we just believe that God wants to move here. Would you consider coming here? And I said, yeah, well, you know, I said, well, uh, that, fine. I said, how big is your church? And I only asked that because I know I was going to a remote area and wanted to know whether they could at least cover my expenses. It's not like I'll go anywhere. God, I, you know me, my ministry, we preach in the biggest churches and the smallest churches across Canada. I'm just as happy to be in a small church as a big church. Don't bother me one bit. Where he leads me, I will follow. What he feeds me, I will swallow. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because he fills my mouth with good things. Oh, taste and see, the Lord is good. Amen. Praise God. But see, this, this pastor said, well, will you come? And I said, well, I'm in the area a couple months from now. I'll tell you what, I'll come. And they said, well, we don't really have a place to meet. I said, well, is there any place we could rent? She's, and this pastor said, well, we could maybe rent, we could maybe rent something. But the, the, the pastor said, I don't really have the money. I said, well, find out how much it will cost. And I, I mean, I'm taking all the risk here, right? They got 12 people in their church, and they want me to come. And I'm saying, okay, fine, I'll come. So I rent, we rent the arena there. And the first night, 157 people showed up, not bad, from 12 to 157. When the next town, the town we were in was 2,000 people, and the next town is three and a half hours over, not bad. I mean, I'm preaching that night, and I'm telling people that I have the anointing of Jesus on my life. I may just be a man, but I'm not an ordinary man. See, I know who I am. I'm not puffed up in the flesh. I know where I came from. I was born in Hamilton, Ontario. I am a Canadian. Oh, Canada, Teresa knows you. You know, I mean, come on now, right? I understand that. But I know that I may be a man, but I'm not an ordinary man because I have the anointing of God on my life. So that night, 27 people got saved. That's not bad. That night, 27 people got saved. One person had a goiter in her neck, and it shrunk right in front of people's eyes. Another person took off their breathing apparatus that had been on there for 10 years. They had to have oxygen for 10 years. And the next morning, 
I was staying at somebody's house across the border in the States, and the, pa- the pastor called me up and said, some of us board members, we want to meet with you tomorrow morning or for breakfast. And I, I felt like there was a tone in the pastor's voice. So I called up my wife and said, honey, just pray, because I think, you know, something's a little squirrely here. Something's not right. I don't know what's wrong, but something's wrong. And I said, just pray. And so I get to the breakfast, and, and, you know, they're all talking, trying to be nice and everything. I know they're just tap dancing around an issue. They want to spit it out, but they're trying to be, you know, kind and all this. And finally, after about an hour of just, you know, blubber, 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 I just said, why don't you just say what you want to say? Works for me, anyways. So finally, the pastor piped up and said, Brother Mark, we were a little troubled about last night's service. I said, Well, what what was the problem? I said, You're upset with the 27 people that got saved. Oh, no, Brother Mark. We are so incredibly happy. You know, some of those people were family members. We were just excited. And I said, well, yes, upset with the people that got healed. I said, were they not genuine? They said, oh, no, Brother Mark. We prayed that this, we knew this church, would, this is with a confession. They said, we know this church will never be big, but we prayed that it would be a revival and healing place for people. I said, looks like that's what you got last night. I said, well, are you bothered by that? No. I said, did you think that the miracles weren't very good or there wasn't something genuine? And they said, oh, no, they were genuine. I said, then what's the problem? The pastor looked at me and said, we just don't like the fact that you said you're anointed like Jesus. I said, well, I just want you to know I didn't say I was Jesus. But I said, I can't do anything without the anointing. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. Are you listening to me? <laughs> and so they're there, and I'm not, I'm not going to argue with them. I just made up my mind. I have a pastor friend down the road. I had been on the road for four weeks. I passed a friend down the road. Every time I get in that town, he treats me like a king. And I knew that if I just told him I'm coming early, he would say, Praise God, I'll get the hotel ready. And I would just go there and have a well-needed couple nights of rest. I said, well, you know what, Pastor? I didn't come to cause any trouble for you, even though I've got all my money on the line here. I'm just coming to try to help you. So you just all, all go and you get together and you just have a little meeting and you just find out whether you want the services to continue because if you don't, it's no sweat off me. I will get in my car, I'll hike it down the road three hours, four hours from here and I will be resting all day today, all day tomorrow. Frankly, I, my flesh would much rather do that. It's the only time in my whole ministry that ever happened. And so, you know, I called Sharon and says, oh, maybe I'm going to take a couple days off. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, she said, well, make sure you leave on good terms. I said, I'm just going to leave, man. They don't want me to preach. I'm not. The Bible says, you know, if you don't, if you're not received, shake the dust. Come on now, right? So I said, you know, fooey on them, man. So they come back an hour later. Pastor calls me back and says, Pastor, we don't believe it would look good if you left. I said, well, that's fine. I'll stay. But I'm just going to tell you right now that if we're going to see anything happen tonight or tomorrow night, it's going to be by the anointing of the Holy Ghost because I can't do anything myself because I don't have power in my own self. It's by His power, the power of the Holy Ghost. If Jesus needed to be anointed, surely I do.
Come on now. Well, I want you to know that pastor repented. I met them in a conference down in uh, Cambridge or Kitchener one time, and the pastor came up to me about eight years later and said, oh, I'm so sorry. I just didn't know. I was so ignorant back then. I said, yeah, you were. <laughs> but praise God, I accept. I already forgave you. But you know, see, see, you're looking at that and you say, well, you know, that would never happen. Jesus. Yes, it did. Jesus said, for which works do you stone me for? Are you upset with the fact that I turn the water to... Oh, no, Jesus, we just like that wine you made. Are you upset about the time when I multiplied the loaves and the fishes? Oh, no, Jesus, we like a free lunch. Are you upset with the miracles? No, come on, Jesus, do it again. Stretch that leg. Lift up that man who's bowed down. Open up the eyes of the blind. No problem with that. Then what is the problem? You can see it. It's in the Bible. Jesus said, for which works do you stone me for? And they turned to him and said, we don't like that you say who you say you are. You say you're anointed with God's anointing. Who do you think you are? <laughs> well, I found out when Christians in the church start getting a hold of the word of God, to find out who they are in Jesus Christ. I, I'll never forget the first time I went into a Kenneth Copeland service, man. I, I, I tell you something, I almost walked out. I said, who is that cocky, arrogant guy up there? And I went to walk out, and God said, shut up and sit down. He said, you might learn something. It's true. That's about, you know, it's true, isn't it, Jerry? Everybody stand in line. I refuse to. They want to stand in line to hear the preacher preach. I said, I'm a preacher. I'm not going to stand in line to hear a preacher preach. Everybody stood in line. Praise God. I sat, sat there, and when he was preaching, he was saying, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I can run through a troop. I can leap over a wall. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Hallelujah. I'm blessed in the city, my country, my basket, my store. And I'm sitting there. I'm starting to get angrier, angrier, angrier in the inside. Who does that guy think he is? Come on. Some of you are probably getting mad at me right now. Well, who do you think you are, Brother Mark? Well, I'm just, I'm a man. But I'm not an ordinary man. Who, who are you? You're a woman. You're a man. But you're not an ordinary man. I'm not talking about squirrely and kooky and loony and religious and, and freaky and freak people out. I'm not talking about being unordinary, you know, not ordinary that way. I'm talking about you're not ordinary because you have a treasure in earth and vessel. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah! Glory. Okay, you got to listen faster. I've got to get through this message. People aren't going to go to church tomorrow. You're going to blame me. Hallelujah. But I want you to see this because, see, I found out. Uh, you know, I'm going to say a couple of statements. Turn with me to Acts chapter 5. I'm going to say a couple of things right now. I'm going to bother you real bad. Some of you might get bothered by this. I'm going to make a statement right now. It's going to bother you. But I am not by any means grieving the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to tell you right now, the Holy Spirit never healed anybody. Now that's. I know some of you think I'm bordering on blasphemy. But how many know if we look at it properly, Jesus is the healer. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit is the helper. And who is he here to help? You. Me. Hallelujah. 
You see, the Holy Spirit is not the doer. The Holy Spirit is the helper. And that anointing comes alongside of us, hallelujah. And we work what we're directed by God to work and the Holy Spirit comes alongside and He helps us thank God if you'll let Him He'll get into your hands hallelujah and your hands will become jumper cables for Jesus hallelujah He'll get in your lips hallelujah and your lips will become prophetic words uh, maybe just a word or two but one word uh, at, at the right time to the right person uh, hallelujah deep calls on the deep hallelujah and it will get the job done come on now he, 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 He'll get in your wallet and at the right time when He tells you to give uh, He'll show you when to, to release that finances and, and, and the seed will provide a, a miracle for somebody else and then come back and rebound to you hallelujah 30, 60 and 100 fold because God's not mocked but God uses people somebody said that means me see so, so, so the second thing I'm going to say is Jesus is the healer the Holy Spirit is the helper but if anybody's going to get healed He's probably going to use my hands or your hands. Are you listening to me? See, we get so mixed up because we're so afraid. And see, and here's, let me show you how, how, how twisted we are. We have no problem with preachers preaching. We say, oh, that preacher preached a good message on Sunday. Well, let's look at it. Hopefully, 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 the message came from... Where? Hopefully the message came from where? Not Reader's Digest, but from, come on, help me. And hopefully after he preached that message or she preached that message, hopefully the glory goes to But who preached the message? The preacher preached the message. The man, the woman preached the message. And we don't get all squirrely about that. We don't dance around that whole thing and say, well, you know... God really, you know, spoke. You know, sometimes we do, but we, most of the time we just say, man, preacher, that was a good message, man. That really touched my heart. Come on now. Right? Okay, let's look at prophets. Prophets what? Prophesy. We have no problem with prophets. Preachers preach. Prophets. And so when somebody prophesies, we usually don't dance around that. We'll say, you know, we're in a service and so-and-so prophesied a message. And man, it was dead on. Hopefully... The message came from, and hopefully the glory goes to, God, God used the, hey, listen to me, I'm going somewhere with this, what does the Bible say, believers do signs, wonders, and miracles, so, so I'm going to tell you right now, you need to know this, that when you do a sign, wonder, and miracle, hopefully you'll understand that the power came from and the glory goes to but God's using you but see we dance around that we dance around that whole issue because we don't want anybody you know we never want to say you know that, that preacher did a miracle we get nervous about that we have no problem with preacher preaching a good message we have no problem with a prophet prophesying a good message but we really have a problem with somebody doing a miracle when the Bible's very clear on who does the miracles, the power comes from, and the glory goes to, and believers do. Do you believe that? See, I know you're, you're a little bit iffy on that. You're, you have a little problem with that. Uh, there's a little bit of religion in us all that we don't want to just, we don't, I'm not suggesting you walk around, you know, Lloyd Minister and say, I am great, I do miracles so great, there is no one quite like me. 
But I'm suggesting that if a miracle is needed, that good chances if you're around and there's nobody else around, good chance is that probably it's you that God wants to work through. And the power comes from and the glory goes to. Nevertheless, God uses your hands, your mouth, your pocketbook. Everybody say, my hands, my mouth, my pocketbook. Hallelujah. Where does the power come from? Where does the glory go to? But God uses people. And I'm tired of this because we go in churches where people want to just act like, you know, God just blew in in a wind or a wave or, you know, come on now. You need to know that Paul said to Timothy, he said, Timothy, stir up the gift that is within you. And I'm telling you, that's why I think the illustration last night of charging, 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 charging is a good illustration. Because if you're not full of the power, you'll lay empty hands on empty heads and get no results. But praise God, if you're charged full of the anointing of God, come on now. You'll get some sign, kind of sign and wonder, praise God, because God anoints people. Some of you look at me and say, well, you know, I was in a service years ago and a prophet got up and said, this is what they prophesied. Oh, thus saith the Lord. There's coming a day when my glory is going to fill the earth. Well, that's all good. How many think that's good? And so, and so far, I'm thinking pretty good. Hallelujah. And the glory is going to fill the earth, and no man's going to get the glory. Well, that's good. Because I'm a known, it's, all the glory belongs to God. And then they went on saying, and no man's going to be used. And I stopped, I said, I, I was like, and say, no man's going to be used. For no man will be involved. I'll do my work by myself. And I, they went on for a while and everybody just clapped and shouted. And it sounded so wonderful. But what they were doing was prophesying me out of a job. Yeah. <laughs> Them's fighting words, man. Because I'll tell you, in Canada right now, we need to lift up the office of the evangelist because it is almost a dinosaur. And the reason why it is, is because we don't understand that God uses people to do signs and wonders and miracles. Hallelujah. And it's not this the evangelist. But that prophet was trying to prophesy not only me out of a job, but trying to prophesy all of you out of your God-given right to lay hands on somebody and see them healed on your God-given right to open your mouth and get somebody saved on your God-given given right to, to see somebody's wounds bound up by the power that came from heaven and the glory that goes to heaven nevertheless works in us Woo! I wanted to get up and say thus saith I didn't but I wanted to go get up and say thus saith the Lord there's coming a time when every prophet's mouth is going to be shut up And that would have been just as false as what she said, the other fault, the prophet said, right? Come on now. Look in Acts chapter... Let's look at a couple of scriptures real quick. Everybody say quick. Listen quick now. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. It says, see, we, we dance around this. As Baptocostal, Pentaholius, Charismaniacs, Word, Faith, People, I don't care, lump them all together. We all believe in the power of God. And not one of us have a right perspective on this as a church, as an as a organization. We dance around this issue because we don't want anybody to get the glory. 
Whatever happened to what Jesus said? They said, they're baptizing down there, you know, and they're doing it, and they're not doing it in their name. Jesus said, I don't give. Then Paul the Apostle, they came to Paul the Apostle and they said, they're preaching Christ and doing miracles and, and, and it's not, it's not, you know, they're not with us. And he said, whether they're with us or against us, I rejoice that the gospel's being preached. He said, they're doing it for their own glory. And he said, whether for their own glory or not, I still rejoice that the gospel's being preached. See, we're all squirrely or we dance around this squirrely issue because we just haven't come to a revelation on it. But Acts chapter 5 verse 12 says, says this, and mightily through the what? Through the what? Of the many signs and wonders were done among them, among the people. Now, whose hands? The apostles' hands. Well, we don't have any problem with that because they were apostles. Come on now, right? Whose hands? Where did the power come from? Where's the glory go to? Whose hands? Okay, well, maybe that's just one scripture in the Bible. But then flip over to, the, to another scripture. Hallelujah. Just flip over to Acts chapter 6. You see, now, I'm going to tell you something. If you're not going to believe your Bible, you might as well just tear the page out that you don't want to believe and make an airplane out of it. Because it's not doing... I'm not, saying, I'm not suggesting you do, but if you're not going to believe it, It'd just be as good, it'd be better entertainment for you to fly that airplane around the room than if you're not going to believe it. Mightily through the hands of the apostles, signs and wonders were wrought among the people. Acts chapter 6, verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, not paste and flour, but Stephen, full of faith and power, did, who did? Did great wonders and signs among the people. Well, where did the power come from? Where does the glory go to? Who did the work? Are you sure? It wasn't the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit was there to help, and we need all the help we can get. I don't need less of the Holy Spirit. I need more of the Holy Spirit. I need to be charging, 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 charging. I'm not looking for less. I'm looking for more. Well, that's two scriptures. Could there be another one? Do you think? There just might be another one over in Acts chapter 8. Let's look and see whether there's another one. Oh my goodness, if there's three, then we have to believe it. For the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. And it says here, And Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ to them. Well, we have no problem with that, because preachers preach. Everybody say, preachers preach. Prophets prophesy. And believers do signs, wonders, miracles. See, some of you don't believe that. But I'm here to tell you, you do. Shukana basata. You're going to get so full of the power of God in the next little while, sir, that you're going to be so charged up. I'll tell you. I just feel like there's a shando shandai coming on you. Hallelujah. Be filled with rivers of living water. You're going to move into a new realm, new circle. You say, who, me? Yeah, you. Because you're going to get a revelation on this. Hallelujah. It says Philip went down to Samaria and preached. Well, we have no problem with Philip preaching because he was a preacher. Well, let's read on. Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the multitudes gave, uh, uh, multitudes with one accord, uh, gave heed to the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which, which who? Who did? 
He did. Now, I'm going to tell you, you give me any Bible, pull out any translation, it's not going to say God did. It's not going to say the Holy Spirit did. It's not going to say Jesus did. Where did the power come from? It comes from God. Who is the helper? The Holy Spirit. Who gets the glory? God gets the Spirit. Who does God use? God uses people! See, sometimes we get the idea that, you know, if God would just move and that nobody would have to work, but we're called to the work. I know it's a four-letter word, but we can say that one in church. It's called the work of the ministry. She said, I get the feeling, see, I've been in revival. My wife and I lived through weeks of revival down in Rhode Island. We were in Bible college. I was up one day, and I'm not going to tell you, it had nothing to do with me because it actually started the night before down in the lower auditorium, and I wasn't there. But the next day, I was up there at Missions Chapel, and it was North Africa Missionary, missionary Prayer Group, and I was leading it because I was in charge of that way back then. And here I am, I'm up there leading a song. I mean, so ancient, probably most of you don't know, but John was in the Spirit. On the Lord's day, I heard a voice from heaven. This is what he said, I am the Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. Behold, you know, Mama knows it. Behold, I live forevermore. And I was singing that, and as we were singing that, all of a sudden, about 600 students just started falling out, slain under the power of God. Some of them were dancing like, you know, popping like uh, ping pong balls, and other people were falling, people were running to the altar. And for three weeks, we never had any classes. The glory of God fell. One of my friends, John P. Blondo, was over in the corner, just a short little guy like that. He's still short. He's bald now, too. And, uh, and, uh, but he's over here, and he's like, Chang, ching, hong, tang, ching, yong, tang, ching, chong, chong, hong, tang, ching, hong, hong, tang, ching, chong, tang, ching, ching, chong. And every once in a while, when I came out of the spirit, I looked over there, I'd laugh at him, and then go back. God was dealing with me. He did that for days. But he's now the head of the Assemblies of God for all of China. I looked out one time. I was get engaged to her. And she's, she's, she's dancing around. She's dancing around with somebody else. Some other, you know, they're just dancing around. People are slain all over the power of God. They're dancing around. And they're not hitting anybody. But they're just dancing around for hours in the glory of God. I'll tell you something. It was a sign and a wonder. And then all of a sudden, the, 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 the dean of students come in. And he said, he said, I know. He talked like General Custer. I'll write you, young man. He got up and said, he said, I know that the Spirit of God's moving, but those of you who are cognizant, he said, you need to focus on this because we have run out of food. We have no food in this place, and we don't have any money to buy food. And you know how many students we got? He said, we don't have any food whatsoever, so just pray while the Spirit of God's moving. Surely, if he can move in our lives, he can also provide. And so he walks out the door, and somebody starts prophesying and saying, it's at the door, 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 it's at the door. It's at the door. I never said anything else for about four minutes. It's at the door. It's at the door. And I thought, well, after about 30 seconds, I got an idea. I got a clue. Maybe. Maybe it's at the door. Half an hour later, Brother Custer comes back in. He walks in. His name was Brother Custer, too. His, he, he said, we have had a miracle. 
He said, anybody who's not slain out or speaking in tongues or you're not in the third heaven or whatever, he says, I want you to get up because a big transport truck broke down, a refrigerated transport truck broke down in front of the, the school doors and the refrigerator's broken and they don't think they can get a tow truck here fast enough. So they agreed they want to give all the food to the school. Hallelujah. Right in front of the doors. I remember that day because I came down to the altar. I thought I'd already done my work in Africa. God called me to Africa when I was seven years old. When I was 16, I went over to Africa with my parents. I was there for a year and a half, and, and I had a youth ministry, a couple, about a thousand people, and I taught in the Bible college before I went to Bible college. And when I left Africa, I hated it. And I said, thank God it's over. And when I asked Sharon to marry me, this is the truth. When I asked her to marry me, I said, honey, will you marry me under two conditions? This is true, I'm embarrassed. But I said, number one, we get married in Canada. And number two, we never go back to Africa. <laughs> is that true? And she agreed because she knew God was working in my heart. And it was right in that move of the Holy Spirit, in that revival time, that God brought me right down to the altar and I said, God, what's my next assignment? And he said, go to Africa. <laughs> But we lived through a revival, listen to me, to the point that people were slain and they actually were carried to their beds. They'd go to bed speaking in tongues. They'd wake up in the morning speaking in tongues. I lived through three weeks of revival. It was glorious. But you know what? Somebody still turned on the lights. Somebody still saw that the bills were paid. Somebody still made some meals. I mean, most of the time we'd go down to the cafeteria and they'd make mistakes, say, somebody pray. And when they started praying, people would start falling all over the place. The glory of God would start falling and most people wouldn't eat. I mean, it was just holy bedlam. A couple of people over there eating in the corner and everybody else, all the food going cold. But it was glorious. But somebody, somebody did something to make that happen. You look through every revival through time you'll find out somebody prayed, somebody fasted, somebody stood. We have the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit because people started preaching about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the late 1800s when they hadn't even yet been filled. But they said there's a power. In the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Hallelujah. They hadn't seen it, but bless God, it came. Hallelujah. That's why I know prosperity and healings coming to the body of Christ in a greater measure than we know. We're just going to keep on preaching. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One day, she's going to show up. Hallelujah. God uses people. Turn to somebody and say, God uses people. Hallelujah. Whose hands? Say, my hands. Whose mouth? Whose wallet? Come on now. Are you listening to me? Come on, let's finish this thing up. How many think we can finish it? How many got faith that I might get finished? You got some faith here. See? I want you to turn, just flip back over to one last scripture. Acts chapter 3. And then I'm going to tell, show you this and then I'll tell you a story. We're going to finish. Acts chapter 3. Everybody say, God uses people. How many getting something out of this? See, see, I, I'm, I'm bothered by it. It's really an issue. It's a soapbox I want to stand on and just get a little irked about because I think we've really, we've really uh, seen less signs and wonders and miracles because we don't know who's supposed to do them. 
and we talk about it and we confess it and we preach about it and we have even in our own circles a form of godliness but we don't see the power because we're not letting it flow through us somebody say me now I'm here to tell you it's your God given right to see somebody saved it's your God given right to see somebody healed come on now Acts chapter 3 it says and Peter and John went up together to the temple how many know they're going to church Hallelujah. he wasn't the preacher he's just going to church it was the ninth hour thir- thir- ninth hour that's, three, that's uh, nine, it's uh, early in the morning and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried by the, 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 the they, they laid him by the, date, the gate uh, called beautiful they asked for alms for those who, had, who were entering in the temple. This crippled man's there. And Peter and John were about to go into the temple. They're going to church. They're not trying to run their own ministry. Everybody say they're going to church. And on their way up to church, there's a crippled man. He's, he's laying at the gate beautiful. He was carried there every day. And you know the story. He sticks out his palms and he asks for alms. Come on now. And Peter looked at him and he said some strange words that we don't even be able to, we're not even able to say right now out of our own mouth. See, most of us, when somebody needs a miracle, when somebody needs a healing, when somebody needs a word, we say, Look to Jesus! And the person who doesn't know Jesus, they're like, Where is he? I remember when I was a kid, they they used to sing, Standing somewhere in the shadow, you'll find Jesus. Now, what they were singing was that Jesus was in Peter's shadow. But I didn't know that. So I'm thinking, Jesus is somewhere in the shadow. And we had a big church. It was 1,200 people. And I'm looking around. I'm thinking, where is he? Maybe he's in the balcony. No, man. I think he's hiding behind the baptismal tank over there. Come on now. Right? What are we, a bunch of wimps? We sit at Tim Hortons, somebody's crying in their tea or in their coffee. They need, they need help. And we tell them, look to Jesus. And they're like, where is he? Where is, I think maybe he's behind the cappuccino maker. But Peter didn't say look to Jesus. But Peter was 100% sold out to Jesus. He gave his life for Jesus. But when that man needed help, he didn't say, look to Jesus. See, I know some of you were wondering why I don't have Christmas lights on me tonight. I was driving past one town. Sharon and I were driving past one town. This lady's got a big, uh, she's got a big bonnet hat on her. This is just a year ago or so. She's got a big bonnet hat on her, and she's dressed in a skirt. And she's got a sandwich board this way and this way, and it says, for the wages of sinner death. And we can pull up our, you know, our Chevy subdivision. And beside, you know, it's a big truck. And we should pull up beside her, and we're right beside her. And I, I felt bad for the lady because she had a great heart, but she had the wrong method. See, I would wear Christmas lights on me if I thought it might lead somebody to the Lord tonight. But obviously, I didn't think that way. That's why, if you're wondering why I don't have Christmas lights on me tonight, it's because I didn't think Christmas lights would help you come to Jesus. Peter didn't walk up to the guy in scripple and say, Look at my shoes. Look at my car. Look at the book I just wrote. Look at my CD. Look at my credentials. 
He didn't even say look to Jesus. He said, look at me. Me. See, some of you have a problem with that. Who do you think you are? Peter, who do you think you are? Well, if you had asked Peter who he was, he would have told you. He said, I was the one who denied Christ just a few weeks earlier. But I have been in the upper room. And I've been in the presence of God. And I realize that I'm anointed with the same anointing that Jesus was anointed with. Hallelujah. And when I say, look at me, sir, you look at me. Look at me. Who do you think you are, brother? See, religious people don't like this. We're not drawing attention to ourselves because we're so pretty or wonderful or handsome or dressed so well. It's because we know that we have a treasure in earthen vessel. Christ in us the hope of glory and chances are if you're in front of a crippled person or if you're in front of somebody who's lost or you're in front of somebody who's broke down and hurting chances are if you're the only one there you ought to be telling them to look at you because you may be the only Jesus they see and I know you feel like you're inefficient. And I know you feel like you're insufficient. And I know you feel like you're inferior. I know you feel like you don't have it all together. And I know you look at yourself and say, Well, I'm not, you know, but I'll tell you on your worst day, on your stinking rotten ugliest day, on the day when you wake up and you look in the mirror and you got wrinkles in your face because you slept the wrong way and you got bad hair and boogers in your eyes. Just to draw it out. Bad breath. On your worst day, you still got more going for you than anybody in the world who doesn't know Jesus. Don't you be looking at that rich millionaire who drives down the, the street in his shiny car and you think so got such a wonderful life if he doesn't know Jesus on your worst day, on your poorest day, on your most broke, busted, and disgusted day, you got more going for him you than he's got going for him. I know this to be true. Let me just take you into the Old Testament for a second because I know this to be true because when Ruth looked at Naomi, Naomi didn't really have a good testimony. She said, The Almighty has dealt treacherously with me. She, made, she, was, she was a paradox. She said, The, the, the great sufficient su- supplier has not supplied for me. That was her confession. But on her worst day, something in, in her attracted Ruth and Ruth said your God will be my God and your people will be my people because your God's better than anybody else's God and your people's anybody better than anybody else's people are you listening to me see the devil wants to beat you down think you're a nobody you're nothing but I'll tell you something on your worst day on your ugliest day on your most rotten day listen every day I get up and preach I don't always feel like preaching you see some of your favorite people on television and you think that they're just, they always look so you know, prim and proper. But I'll tell you something. They have some moments. But knowing this, that we have a treasure in earth and vessel is what brings us through. Come on now. Because we know that on our worst day, we're better off than somebody who's got it all together on the outside on their best day. Because we have Jesus. And Peter said, look at me. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just walk around and we could say, look, look at me. I'm an example of what it really means to be a believer. 
Uh, you know the story. Peter says, silver and gold have I none. That's because he didn't bring his checkbook or his credit cards with him. Didn't have his debit machine on him. Didn't bring the ATM with him. He said, I don't have any. I don't have a whole. This is most Christian songs. This is what most Christians say. I don't have a whole lot of money. I don't have a big fancy car. But my Jesus, he's all right. My Jesus, he's clear out of sight. He's some kind of wonderful. Yes, he is. I don't know where he is, but he's some kind of wonderful. Yes, he is. Come on in. Don't live like that. Because my Jesus is not out of sight on my worst day. He said, I'm a friend. I'll never, never, no, never, no, never forsake you, never lead you. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but something within me. Are you listening to me? He's here right now, man. And Peter, you know, see, I want you to see this. So Peter gets the man healed. You know the story. The man gets healed. And a couple minutes later, guess where the man was? He didn't, Peter didn't say, oh, man, I got a miracle. Hallelujah. I'm just going to go down the road and start my own church. No, you're not. <laughs> Peter took him to church. Come on now. And in that portion of Scripture, you'll see this. I just want to read this to you because I love this portion. It says here, And Peter saw, they all started rejoicing. They were all amazed. And the man was leaping and jumping and praising God. Verse, I'm trying to finish. Verse 12, so I'm skipping. But it says, So Peter saw it, and he responded to the people, Man of Israel, why do you marvel at this thing? Or why do you look so intensely on us as though by our own power or our own holiness we made this man walk? What Peter was saying is, yeah, I made the man walk, but the power didn't come from me. And the glory doesn't really go to me. So how many got that down? You know this, that the power comes from and the glory goes to. But God still uses. But then Peter said something that's going to drive you even further nuts he said it wasn't my own power and it wasn't my own holiness he said brother Mark shouldn't we be more holy yes you should but I want to just tell you right now the devil has most preachers and most churches convinced that if they only jump through the next hoop then, then, then they could have a revival we just got to jump through one more hoop and the preachers, and I know I have done this in my own church years ignorantly. I have preached on holiness and said, if we were just more holy, God would use us. And what I was trying to preach was a holy message because I know that sin hurts. And I wanted my people not to hurt. And so I didn't want them to sin. So I said, you need to live a more holy life. And furthermore, but you know, Peter said, it's not my own holiness. Because how holy he was, he didn't have time to go to the repentance class. He did not have time to go to Bible college. He had just denied Jesus. But he had an encounter with him. The Holy Ghost. He said, it's not my own holiness. Can I just tell you something right now? I'm convinced that most people here, probably in this room, there is some kind of barrier in your mind that think, you think that if you could just get over this barrier, then God could use you. And I want to tell you right now, if you just let God use you, you'd probably get over that barrier. Don't you walk out of here saying that I don't believe in holy living. I do. 
And I'm tired of a sloppy agape, and I'm tired of grace that, you know, you know, people are just trying to live and see, you know, how close to the line they can live so that, you know, they can still be saved. I'm not, I'm not talking about that, but I, I'll tell you something right now. I'm convinced that, that most of you right now have this kind of mindset in your mind that if you would just jump over this hoop, if you just take that next class, if you, if you would have just stretched your hand a little higher than God could have used you, if you would have just leaned to the left when everybody was leaning to the left, come on, now I know what I'm talking about. And I'm here to tell you, Peter said, it wasn't my own power and it wasn't my own holiness. And I'm going to close with this story. Back when I was seven years old, and you're going to get this. When I was seven or eight years old, I was in Central Gospel Tabernacle. Thank God for Pentecostals. Because they broke through. And now, because they broke through, all kinds of churches are filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying I agree with all the, the government and all that stuff, but I'm just saying thank God for holy men who fought. I remember when I was a kid, you know, I'd go to church and they'd egg the church and come out of the, house, the church and our car would be scratched. And I remember it was all for the sake of the gospel. Now, we were in a church, it was about 500 people. And that was a pretty good church back then in, in the 60s. And I'm in that church, and, and the pastor, he'd get up and preach. And, you know, we were in a night, it was a long church with, you know, the, 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 the wood floor. Whole, uh, and I'll tell you something, when they'd praise God, they'd praise God. I'm telling you, I mean, it would start at the front and go to the back, and it'd go from the back to the front, and it would hit somewhere in the middle. And I'm telling you, goosebumps would be on goosebumps, and I'll tell you something. Well, this one particular Sunday, see, I'm sitting on the second row. And this one particular Sunday, the pastor's about ready to get up and preach. And they had this, uh, you know, they're up ready to preach. And sometimes on Sunday night, they'd have a testimony. Can I get a witness for the Lord? And so this lady got up. Her name was Sister Strudel. Now, Sister Strudel, she, she, her name was Sister Strudel. She had, she had the uh, Count Dracula hairdo like this. It pinched, it, uh, it pulled back so tight because they weren't allowed to cut their hair back then. Thank God we had been delivered from that too. But they weren't allowed to cut their hair so they had their hair pulled back so tight that I was convinced Sister Strudel had pinched a nerve in her brain. Because every time there was testimony on time, she wore those cat eye glasses and her hair was pulled back so tight. I mean, it was good because it, it kept her from having wrinkles on her face, but I think it choked her brain. And she'd get up, and every time there was a testimony, she'd get up and say, Well, brother, pastor, I thank God I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. I am, I am. Forty-eight years, thirty-two years in this particular assembly. Y'all pray for me to the end that I'll be saved. And I remember sitting on the chair and going, Oh, there goes Sister Strudel, same words every time. Yawn, yawn, yawn. I was just seven years old. Well, on this particular Sunday, the pastor got up. You know which pastor I'm talking about. This is, this is where I started. But this pastor got up. And back in those days, you know, uh, you know the pastor would get up. And so there was, a, there was a couple. Their name was the Fickenbinder Twins. Now, the Fickenbinder Twins, they had the Tower of Babel hairdos. And it was like they just twirled it up and just piled it up. And I think it was a contest in the church, although nobody ever talked about it, to see who could build the biggest Tower of Babel. And they spun it around. See, there's no, no, no word of exaggeration. I went home with the assistant pastor's 
uh, son one day because we used to go to church on Sunday morning. You go to their house on Sunday afternoon. Then you come back on Sunday night to church and you'd swap back. So I went over to their house one Sunday afternoon and I made a mistake of walking in the kitchen and you would have thought I saw the, past, the assistant pastor's wife nude because she screamed like crazy and she's like, ah! I caught her red-handed. She was wrapping her hair around a 48-ounce can of tomato juice. I'm serious, man. I'm not, no. And so this Sunday morning, the Fickenbinders came into church, and the pastor said, he said, well, we ha- I see we have the Fickenbinder twins here. Now, they're not really part of this particular assembly, but said, well, these P- Fickenbinder twins, God's been using them all over the place. And I wonder now, I'm going to preach Fickenbinders, but I wonder if one of y'all could just get up and say a word of testimony as to what God's been doing. And I sat up on the chair and I thought, this is going to be good, praise God, because I know they always got a good testimony. I sat up on the edge of my chair and one of the victim binder twins got up from the town of Babel And she got up and said, well, you know, three weeks ago we were in such and such place and you know how they've been fighting against the Holy Spirit. But when we went and preached there, there was 50 people in the church, 12 people have already received the Holy Ghost, but most of them had not. But when we left, there wasn't a soul who hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit. And the rumbles of God would start at the front row, and and they'd start going, hallelujah, and it'd start at the back, and it would hit somewhere in the middle. And I remember thinking, pretty good. I'm just a young boy. She said, furthermore, we were over in such and such town and there was a whole bunch, there was three people that were in the, the tuberculosis ward. And, and she, said, she said, well, we went over there and we prayed for them and two of them were released the very next day, totally healed by God. And everybody started going, hallelujah and praise God. And I sat up there pretty good. And so they gave their testimony. The pastor's up there. He's about ready to preach. And he pulls out his Bible. And he's about ready to start. When all of a sudden, Sister Slaughter. Now she didn't have the Count Dracula hairdo. She didn't have the Tower of Babel hairdo. She had that twirly, whirly, whirly hairdo. You know, with a, a gazillion bobby pins in it. And every once in a while, she'd start jumping in the presence of the Lord. And I'd take Lest the projectile come and hit me in the eyeball. <laughs> Sister Slaughter got up and I got, oh my God. I, thought, I remember thinking seven years old, I'm thinking this is not going to be good because every time Sister Slaughter opened her mouth, all she had was something negative to say. Now thank God we know how to tell people to sit down and shut up now. But back then we were just learning, right? <laughs> so the lady says, Pastor, could I say something? And the pastor said, well, I'm going to preach the word. I've been studying all week, and I really got the word here, so maybe you could say for, oh, it won't take long, pastor. And, uh, and, and she goes, and pastor said, well, I'm, I want to preach the word, so, you know, I'd rather you, but it won't take long, pastor, please. Let me, he said, well, just make it real quick. And she got, she got up, and she goes, oh, Sidaba, Kidaba. Sita ba kidaba, fickenbinder, fickenbinders, hypocrites, hypocrites, hypocrites. I'm like seven years old and I'm thinking, this is interesting. <laughs> now thank God you know if you've got a problem, you don't get up in the church and interrupt the service. Matthew 18 says you go to that person, person, but we didn't know that back then. She gets up and says, fickenbinder, fickenbinders. Hypocrites, hypocrites, and you could have heard a pin drop. 
Everybody's like, oh. And she goes on, she goes, Well, Sita Bakita, Sita Bakita, whoa, last week I was in the pig and whistle, and I came out and Sita Bakita, Sita Bakita, I came out and I saw one of those thick and binder twins smoking Sita Bakita cigarettes. And I thought, Sita Bakita cigarettes, I never heard of that brand before. Now, I'm not condoning smoking, but listen to me. I want to tell you what I was thinking as a seven-year-old boy. I was thinking if I ever got sick and I couldn't find my mom and my dad, and if I couldn't find my pastor, would I go to Sister Strudel, who was saved, sanctified, and stuck? Would I go to her? She always just, you know, just sounded like a recorder. Would I ever go to her? She had nothing new happening in her life. No. Would I go to Sister Slaughter that every time she opened her mouth, she slaughtered somebody with her words? No. Now, I'm just seven years old, but I thought, if I'm sick and I couldn't find anybody, I really don't, you know, I'll just, I, this is my thinking. I thought, I really don't care. I said, I know they can get somebody healed. So if I'm sick, if I can't find my pastor, if I can't find my parents, I, I, I'm going to go to them. Now, listen to me. I'm not condoning smoking. And if you smoke, you can be delivered. Somebody said, if I smoke, will I get to heaven? I don't know. You might, you might, you might get to heaven smelling like you were in hell. <laughs> What's your point? My point is you can be delivered from smoking. You don't have to damage your body anymore. You don't have to damage the people around you anymore. Come on now. If it's a vice and it's strong on you, there's the power of God is stronger, can break every yoke of bondage. I'm not condoning smoking. I'm not condoning sin. I'm not, I'm not by any means trying to be sloppy in this thing, but Peter said, it's not my own power and it's not my own holiness. Nevertheless, I made this man walk. So what's your point, preacher? Here it is. Final words. Next 45 seconds, I'm going to be done. Here it is. Here it is. You ready? On your worst day, you still have more going for you than somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Number one. Number two, when somebody is drowning and they need a lifeline, they ain't asking for credentials. Come on now. I mean, they're going glug, glug, glug. You're throwing them a lifeline. They don't care whether you've been to, you know, that class, it's church, although you should go to it. Right? You understand what I'm talking about? They, they're not keep, they just care about the lifeline. They're not asking whether you had the Red Cross, whether you have your CPR. They don't care. And here it is. Here it is. On your journey to being more like Jesus in the fruits of the Spirit. Remember we sing, to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. How many remember that? All I ask is to be like him all on life's journey from earth to glory all I ask is to be like him on your journey to being more like Jesus in the fruits of the spirit why not be more like Jesus in the gifts of the spirit on your journey to being more like Jesus in character and it's good to be like more like him in character. Come on now. I'm not by any means saying back off. But on your journey to be more like Jesus in character, why not try to be more like Jesus in demonstration? Come on now. 
I want you to grab your hands right now. Just look at your hands. Whose hands? Whose mouth? Whose feet? Whose pocketbook? God uses people. And I'm here to tell you, it's your God-given right to lay hands on the sick. It's your God-given right to win somebody to Jesus. It's your God-given right to have a word of knowledge. It's your God-given right to flow in the Spirit. And I'm here to tell you, if you just get a handle on this and start using your faith in this area, God would use you out on the streets in Walmart, and Tim Hortons, and across the fence, and wherever God takes you this week, I'll tell you something. If we could get a handle on this, man, we would release a whole church full of power and authority. It's not just about the power that comes to us. It's about the power that flows through us. Hallelujah. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of just trying to get something for me. I want to get something for a people. I want to get something for a city. I want to get something for my nation. Hallelujah. I want to get something for Africa. Come on now. I don't want to be a selfish. Just get it all. And, you know, come on. I want to get something for my neighbor. Hallelujah. I want to get something for the person I work with. Hallelujah. I want to make a difference with people around me. Hallelujah. So I say, God, use me. Hallelujah. My hands, my, my mouth, my feet, my pocketbook. Hallelujah. Here I am, Lord. Hallelujah.